Anyway, without further ado, we have Drew Hutton, Trevor Beryl, Sarah Lowe and Ak Mercer, who are all going to speak tonight. They're all involved in CSG and resistance movements against it to certain extents, whether they're uh, grassroots activists or coming from a more academic perspective or more scientific background. So I'll let them introduce themselves. I'm the president of the Lock the, what's called the Lock the Gate Alliance. I started to get involved in both coal and coal seam gas campaigns back in early 2010. I'm supposed to be fishing. You know, I'm supposed to be retired. And I, um, I sort of very reluctantly got back into activism after the last 40 or so years, when I found out that uh, there's some quite nasty things going on out there in the bush. And so I, I went out and could not believe the plans that were in place for the Western Darling Downs and other areas. So I, I, I sort of went from farmhouse to farmhouse for quite some time, just talking to farmers and finding out what uh, was going on. They were, they were pretty uh, suspicious of me at first, because um, I've been a uh, an environmental campaigner in uh, Queensland for a long time and uh, they, they tend to blame me for the tree clearing laws so um, not, uh, not entirely incorrectly but you know the other organisations like the Wilderness Society were probably more responsible than I was but um, so they used to say things like you know I, I walked up to one guy's uh, front porch and he said you're Drew Hutton aren't you and I said yeah he said you're the bastard who caused all my problems in the first place I said oh, does that mean you don't want to talk to me said, oh shit no shit no come on in come on in meet the wife have a cup of tea yeah, and, and that was the that was the reception everywhere because they knew two things uh, well I persuaded them of two things one was that they couldn't win it on their own it couldn't be won as a farmer's battle uh, and it couldn't be won as, a, uh, as an environmental battle. Uh, it could only be one if the two got together and if city and country got together. So um, I persuaded them that uh, you know, I, I was a conduit to both of those, to the city and to the environment movement. Um, so uh, I helped them set up uh, groups all around, the, um, all, the, all around the west, west of uh, Toowoomba, and a little bit east of Toowoomba, actually. And uh, I helped them to uh, do media and tell them how to organise action groups and so on. But the approvals in Queensland got away from us. They were, by the time I'd got started, it was probably too uh, late. It was undoubtedly too late. Uh, and so I suggested to them that we have a campaign. I called all the groups together. I had a little office out the, out the downs. And I suggested that uh, we have a campaign called Shut the Gate, where we refuse, we called on all landowners to refuse entry to the um, to the Industry because in coal seam gas they have to actually have an access and compensation agreement with the landowner before they can go on to the property. Um, they the landowner can't say no to them coming on, but can negotiate the terms under which they come on. So I said, well, all right, let's just simply say no. Let's just lock the gate and sorry, shut the gate. And they said, no, well, uh, we can't call it shut the gate because everybody in the country shuts the gate. We're going to lock the gate. So that was fair enough. We called it lock the gate. Um, and uh, at about the same time, some other people were setting up a, a proposed national alliance of groups uh, down in New South Wales because coal seam gas was coming to New South Wales as well and they were having big trouble with coal mine. So uh, with expansion, because you've got to remember, this is going on at the same time as the... Uh, this is the resources boom. This is the mining boom. And uh, this is, this is uh, a tsunami sweeping across rural Australia. Uh, it's coming into areas, mining is coming into areas that's never been seen in before. Some of our best agricultural land, closely settled areas, environmentally sensitive areas, the whole thing. And it was coming into New South Wales. So they set up a, a committee in my absence. They put me on it. And you always have to go to meetings, otherwise you get put on the executive. I, so I thought I'd be the vice president because no one knows what a vice president does, so I probably wouldn't have to do too much work. Sure enough, a month later, the president resigned. <laughs> so I became the president. So I'm the accidental president. 
But because we had a little bit of starting time in New South Wales, uh, we were able to get in ahead and mobilise the community. And it is just amazing. The, these communities, if you get in there early enough, if you give them a bit of hope, it is just all that's needed. And now we've got something like 170 groups around, exactly now in all states um, of Australia. Uh, it's mostly in Queensland and New South Wales, but also Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, Northern Territory, uh, even Tasmania. Uh, has groups. So my argument to them was that we have to negotiate with government at some stage, but you never negotiate from a position of weakness. You must always, if you're in a position of weakness, you've got to go back to the community and tell the community what's going on, mobilise them, educate them, and then when you when you do have, have the opportunity to go back and negotiate with government, you do so from a position of strength. So we went back to the community. Now I call it the community engagement model of campaigning. It's what, the, it's what environmentalists used to do until they decided that the best way to do campaigns was to sit in their office all day looking at computer screens and occasionally talk to uh, somebody in government. Uh, and the Labor Party especially has learned how to handle environmentalists. You know, they, just, they just keep them on the leash. Um, environmentalists have been under control now for two decades. So it was time to break out and go back to the community. Uh, and we did that. We mobilised thousands of people, mostly farmers, mostly farmers, the most conservative people in this community. These, these are generally National Party voting, Christian, conservative farmers. They are now not only locking their gates, which in New South Wales in particular is civil disobedience, there's actually pretty high charges that come with doing that, we're blocking the gate. We've had now, I can't remember the number of blockades, it's probably about 10 to a dozen blockades around Australia. Here in, um, in uh, Queensland we've had uh, half a dozen where there's one actually, as you mentioned before, Fern, going on out of Tara right now, uh, but we've also had many others. To such an extent that in the Northern Rivers, after two big blockades where hundreds of people attended, uh, Metgasco, the, the company there just simply packed up and left. They packed up and left. They are no longer there. Um, we drove their share price down from something like 50 cents to under 5 cents in about 10 months. By the time of the second blockade, their, their, their shares were worth under 5 cents, so basically completely worthless. Dart Energy, the Fullerton Cove people outside Newcastle blockaded them and they fell over. They've gone overseas. Planet Gas left the uh, northwest of New South Wales. Um, they packed up and left. We've now got two others, AGL and Santos. AGL's uh, in uh, Gloucester, in the northern Hunter Valley. Uh, Santos is out on the western plains and, uh, and in the Pilliga Forest, and they will get knocked over. AGL's almost gone, and Santos, we will blo just blockade them. Uh, every time a drill rig appears, we blockade them, and uh, they can't move. So it doesn't matter whether governments give them approvals, and the governments are completely in the pockets of the company. Completely. doesn't matter whether Labor or, or Conservative, they're completely in their pockets. So the only way, and, and the environment movement, the official environment movement is useless. The um, Farmers Association are corrupt and in the pockets of the mining companies. The only way to, to get around that is to uh, mobilise the communities themselves have done it. We're at the point now where we're actually talking to the biggest fund managers in the company and even in the world and they're all saying to us, we think this is one incredibly dodgy industry and uh, we're going to pull our investment out. So it's been amazingly successful and what's been amazing, there's been two things that have been really amazing about it. One is that people who have, have been seen as traditional enemies, that is environmentalists and farmers, are now working like that. 
I mean, this, this lady here goes out on an almost weekly basis talking to, to um, farmers out there, working closely with them and taking city people out to the farming areas in the Bridging the Divide uh, program, uh, letting, seeing, letting people know at first hand what's going on out there. And, and greenies and farmers now are the best of friends in many areas. And it's interesting, you know, I tell people we're not going out there to convert anybody, we're not going out there to foist our culture on them, we're going out there to help. And that's, that's what we do. But along the way, it's interesting to see how attitudes change, you know, the, where greenies become more attuned to the problems of farming and farming farmers become more attuned to the uh, concerns of environmentalists. The other thing I was going to mention was um, oh, just the size of the, of the movement. We're now, we mobilised 20,000 people, most of them in, in the bush, uh, in our last National Day of Action. We're mobilising more and more people all the time. It's going to be the biggest social movement in Australian history, this, because it, what it does is it closes off the, the whole transition, which the only transition which the fossil fuel industry has in mind is a transition from coal to gas. And gas has every bit as big a carbon footprint as coal. They don't, there's no transition renewables. That's what they've got in mind. So we need to shut down coal mines, and we're doing that. I didn't get onto coal, but we are shutting down coal mines. And we need to stop them seeing gas as the, as the option. The op option has to be renewable. And renewables, just in the last few months, have become uh, competitive with fossil fuels as a source of energy. So there is no longer any excuse for governments to say, this isn't, you know, renewable energy uh, isn't ready to take over. It's ready to take over. It should be taking over. The era of fossil fuels should be coming to an end. And uh, with, with people power, we can bring it to an end. Thank you.